Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director, Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? Not bad. How about yourself, Keith? Good. Finally saw Barbie over the weekend. Oh, I still haven't. Uh, I have a feeling this movie's not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I have a feeling, too. Actually, Paul did a really... Let's go off on a tangent immediately, but Paul did an article about the 30 top grossing films of all time directed by women and Barbie is already number one. Well, you should really plan on going to see the movie. Oh, I don't worry. I will. I'll I'll be one of the late box office ads. I I know they need my money, but I'll be there. (laughs) They they desperately need the cash. Um, Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how SZA's Snooze hits the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart for the first time bringing one of its writers and producers, friend of the podcast and all-around music legend Babyface back to the top 10, how Morgan Wallen's Last Night lingers for a 16th week at number one on the Hot 100, tying for the second most weeks atop the list. But it was down in airplay, streams, and sales last week. Could the song's reign be nearing an end? If so... Who might take the top slot? We've got some hmm. guesses. And on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, Travis Scott's Utopia becomes the first rap album in two years to spend its first two weeks at number one. Also on the show, it wasn't at the Taylor Swift show that Keith and I were at, but she finally announced the re-recording of 1989 coming in October. And fans are very excited about this. And... There's a brand new Olivia Rodrigo song from her album Guts. It is called Bad Idea, Right? And we're going to be talking all about that song and about other songs that are primarily spoken word from pop songs in the past. So stick around for all that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts for Billboard, visit Billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay. Let's do the chart chat. First up, on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, Morgan Wallen's Last Night holds atop the list, notching a 16th week at number one. 
It Now Ties, a pair of songs for the second most weeks at number one. Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee's Despacito, featuring Justin Bieber, and Mariah Carey and Boys to Men's One Sweet Day. Now, the only song with more weeks at number one than any of those other songs is Lil Nas X's Old Town Road, featuring Billy Ray Cyrus, with 19 weeks. But Last Night is down 11% in radio audience, 22% in sales, and 2% in streams, all in the U.S. in the week ending August 10th, of course, according to Luminate. And by the way, those three metrics are the three things that power the Hot 100 chart. Right. So could that erosion provide a window of opportunity for, say, Luke Combs's cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car to drive to number one for the first time? Which has been lingering around the top three for many weeks. It's been in neutral, just <laughs> idling, idling, idling is a better that idling's better. Uh, you know, he he released a new official live version of Fast Car to oh. digital retail and streamers a few days ago. And both the live version and the original studio version are sale priced for just 69 cents in the iTunes are store. They? Are you they? You don't say. <laughs> it's almost like his label thinks maybe he has a shot at number one. I'd say. Uh, and there's always, of course, Taylor Swift's resurgence. There's, there's always Taylor Swift. <laughs> there's always Taylor Swift. And there's always Taylor Swift. Uh, her, of course, her resurgent Cruel Summer from 2019's album Lover. Uh, the song rises to a new peak this week on the Hot 100, moving up a spot to number three. So maybe Swift could sneak into number one in the coming weeks if it continues to build. And we there was a little conversation that happened on Twitter. I think you and I were both tagged on it. Oh, yeah. Where somebody had suggested like, oh, I just like want, you know, Cruel Summer to go to number one with like Eras Tour rapping. It's like, you know, the way to like tie a bow on the first U.S. leg of the Eras Tour. And I responded because it immediately made me think of the New Romantics video that came out after the 1989 tour. It was a live video. Yes, it was yeah. a live video of her recording, or I'm sorry, of her performing New Romantics um, on the 1989 tour. So uh, as Keith and I well know, as repeat Eras tour goers, uh, that, sh- that song opens the show. And it's like a big, bombastic moment. And, um, you know, when we saw it in Vegas back in March... Cruel Summer was not like a radio single. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, a song from Lover that was a fan favorite. But as Keith mentioned, I think on the podcast back in March, it felt like it was like her biggest hit, the way people responded to that song. And then obviously since then, it has become a bigger hit as the tour has gone on. So what if she puts out, I mean, we know she was filming the first three nights of the L.A. stop of the Airs tour. What if she puts out? a live performance video of Cruel Summer, and that's what it needs to get that final push to number one on the Hot 100. Oh. What if? What if? What if? (laughs) I mean, it takes a moment to throw a music video together, so, and it's obviously not happening this week. So we'll we'll let Luke Combs have his week, maybe, and then Taylor can come riding in later. I'm I'm sure that's what Team Taylor (laughs) is thinking. Let's let someone else be number one. Um. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Wait, Keith, what about... um, Olivia Rodrigo, who we mentioned at the top of the show, she came out with her song Bad Idea Right, which is the second single from Guts and obviously the first single from Guts, Vampire, debuted at number one on the Hot 100. So she seems like a potential contender. 
right? That's that's a good idea. That's a good <laughs> idea, a good right? Idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the the thing that could stop this from debuting at number one would be how Vampire had weeks of pre-orders of a physical single that Olivia had been taking on her web store that mm. helped fuel Vampire's first week. It was available in multiple configurations. This doesn't have that same sales commercial push. release. Yeah, it doesn't have the same commercial yeah. release. Um, though it could certainly still have a big streaming week and a big digital song sales week, you know, coming from iTunes and whatnot. Um, I'm guessing it probably maybe won't debut at number one, but hey, right. I'm not right. a forecaster. <laughs> what do I know? Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, staying with the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, SZA's Snooze surges from number 15 to number 10 marking her eighth top 10 on the Hot 100 and the fifth from the Smash S.O.S. album, which, of course, hit number one on the Billboard 200 a while back. Snooze Mm -hmm. was co-written and co-produced by music legend and friend of the pod, Babyface. Babyface has, of course, been charting hits on the Hot 100 as an artist himself, a writer and a producer since the 1980s. But Snooze brings him to the top 10 for the first time as a writer or producer on a new original song that is not through a sample of his work Mm -hmm. for the first time in over 20 years. Love that. The last time a new song he co-wrote or co-produced hit the top 10 was when Pink's Most Girls hit number four in November of 2000. Since then, Babyface has had co-writes hit the top 10, but only through artists sampling his earlier work, like when Drake's Fair Trade featuring Travis Scott hit number three in 2021. That song sampled a 2019 track called Mountains performed by Charlotte Day Wilson, and that track was co-written by Babyface. I vividly remember talking to Babyface when we spoke with him for our Grammy preview episode about Snooze. And um, on on that show, he told us that Snooze actually didn't come from like SZA's SOS sessions, but actually came from Babyface's Girls Night Out project sessions. And he raved about SZA, said that she's amazing and that she wanted to keep the song for her own SOS album, which... Great choice, SZA, because it's it's a top 10 hit now. She, she knew a hit when she heard it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, lastly, on the Billboard 200 albums chart, Travis Scott's Utopia rules at number one for a second week, as the set earned 147,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending August 10th, and that is down 70%. Of course, the album charged in at number one a week ago with 496,000 units in its first week. And that, of course, marked the biggest week for an R&B hip hop or rap album in 2023. Uh, Utopia, notably, is the first rap album to spend its first two weeks at number one on the Billboard 200 in nearly two years. Since Drake's certified lover boy logged its first three weeks at number one, in September and October of 2021, of its total five weeks that were non-consecutive atop the list. Uh, Utopia is the first rap album with more than a single week at number one in over a year since Tyler, the creator's Call Me If You Get Lost, claimed a second of a total of two weeks at number one in two separate weeks. This was that weird thing. put on his vinyl. 
Yeah, when when Tyler's album uh, was released on vinyl and then jumped back to number one a year after it originally debuted at number one. So Call Me If You Get Lost debuted at number one on the July 10th, 21 chart and 2021 chart. Uh, and then it came back to number one on the April 30th, 2022 chart. Uh, this week, the top 10 of the Billboard 200 is super sleepy. There is zero debuts in the top 10, wow. which, uh, quite frankly, uh, made my Sunday go a little bit more smoothly than normal. <laughs> I, had, I had a little bit less work to do on a Sunday. But it's I, not exciting, Keith. You know, sometimes <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. We've got lots of exciting weeks always <laughs> happening on the charts. So, you know, it was, it was, it's a little sleepy. Clearly, clearly everyone was like thinking, okay, we're going to avoid Travis Scott's second week. That's my yeah. guess. And then yeah. you know, they're all looking forward to like, you know, maybe the week's coming. I mean, I kept thinking like maybe Drake's, surprise poetry mm. album thing or whatever he was talking about i thought maybe that would come out nope still not coming would have i have been no a good idea strategic when. time yeah you know what week won't be sleepy october 27th keith why is that because that's when 1989 taylor's version is coming out we found out this past week because at her final of six shows at sofi stadium on wednesday she announced the re-recording of 1989 will come exactly nine years after the original dropped in 2014. And you know what? If you look at 1027, you add up the two and the seven, it gives you nine. You add the Stop. 10 plus the nine, it gives you 19. There are no coincidences. We can take any <laughs> string of numbers here and just move <laughs> them around. Them 1989. Well, and I think we mentioned this on the show, but Wednesday's show at SoFi was eight nine why August didn't we 9th. go to that show why did we go to the I monday know, show Katie? i know what were we doing what were we doing um our co-worker chris Egertson actually went to the wednesday show and covered it for billboard so if you'd like to read the six best moments from her sixth night please go to billboard.com um but all the signs were pointing to 1989 being the next re-recording and all the signs were pointing to it being announced on her final night of this first leg of the eras tour um she even wore like all blue costumes all night i don't know if you saw that leading up to the announcement during the 1989 portion of the set list every costume that she wore during her other eras were blue which is like the color of the 1989 era it is. So, yes. And oh. so she like and apparently even like the lights, like at some portions of the show were blue when they weren't previously. And it, Taylor thinks of everything, you know, or at least her fans do. And then give her ideas for really obscure things. I to did do not realize time. the color of that <laughs> era was blue. Yeah. And speak now is purple, which we just came out of. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't uh, uh, remind me what were like the big songs from 1989. Oh my God! Okay, well the we first are never, ever, lead no, single, no, 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 first lead single was "Shake, shake It, it off, off," which and she very famously announced. This is my first 1989 with "Shake It Off" as saying this is my first pure pop album. This is the Obviously, one she announced had, on the top of the Empire State Building, right? Yeah, it yeah. was a bit, it was, and it was all associated with New York. The song "Welcome, Welcome to, New to New York" is on 1989. Um, her second single was "Blank Space," which was, uh, I believe, and still is. Or wait, Antihero surpassed it. Blank Space was her longest lasting number one on the Hot 100 until Antihero surpassed it. Um, I think it was nine weeks or eight weeks. I can't remember exactly. And then uh, Style is from 1989. Uh, Out of the Woods is from 1989. It is 
hit after hit after hit after hit on this album. It was probably my favorite section of the Eras Tour concert, too. It's just like, it's just so fun. But I didn't even mention Bad Blood yet. Bad Blood is from 1989. Oh, wow. Uh, which famously had a uh, Kendrick Lamar remix. So I'm very curious to see, like, because the original version of the album was just her. Did she get Kendrick to re-record his verse? I imagine. We don't know yet. TBD. I mean... Uh, well, that wasn't on the original, <laughs> but that, but but his verse wasn't on the original album. Correct, but it is the one that took the song to number one. When the video came out, that's when the Kendrick verse debuted, and that's the week it went to number one. I could see a way where if he did not want to do this for some reason, that she could say, "Well, I was, I was, I was re-recording the original album." Right. You know, hundred percent. But I think he probably did. He, he probably feels like did. it feels like he's you know supportive of this. But I did wonder. We've talked about this before. I wondered whether part of the holdup with 1989 was potentially features, Could because be. that seems like the probably the hardest thing to, um, you know, to lock in is getting somebody like Kendrick Lamar to like you know re-record a verse he did before. It's a little. If, if, if you're Taylor Swift, it feels like it might be simpler than for everyone. But um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so that's coming October 27th. Uh, I'm super excited about this one. People have been waiting for this one. And that will leave us with only two more re-records after 1989 comes out. Her self-titled uh, debut. Her self-titled debut and reputation. Well. So first and last, our bookends. And if we're only looking at her full-length studio albums. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. You love to bring up the Christmas project. Hey, don't forget the Beautiful <laughs> Eyes EP that did exist. Uh, uh sure. Yes. It was a thing? I, I, am, I am only counting well, the full-length studio project, well, yes. Uh, keep me honest. Can you Google... Beautiful Eyes EP was that a was that a studio project or was it like a live EP? I'm, I think it was studio songs. One moment. Oh, it's apparently her second EP. So what was the first one? Might have been a um, holiday thing. Oh, it was exclusive to Walmart. Limited release EP. Yeah, it's a that's a it was a studio project. Yeah. Yeah. So technically, there there are other things that exist. And, and she. And she has done some like Lucy re-records, like things from movies, like the um, Hunger Games soundtrack, you know, um, things as well. So I maybe mean, if, we'll if, get if you're going to do the entire big machine catalog, baby, do the whole thing. Come on. Oh, and I saw and we'll have to see um, how this has impacted our billboard charts. But I saw that Wildest Dreams, um, Taylor's version, got an immediate boost because she had actually re-recorded that song from 1989 already for a movie. And so fans who were excited about 1989 being the next re-record started streaming it en masse because it was a way to support Taylor without streaming the old music. Hmm. Um, and so Wildest Dreams, uh, you know, shot up on like Spotify and iTunes charts and whatnot. So we'll see what that might mean for Billboard's charts next week as well. Moving on to another pop star, Olivia Rodrigo released the second song from her upcoming sophomore album, Guts. And it is called, I just want to say it really sassy because the song's sassy. Uh, it's called Bad Idea, right? Because that's basically how she, she sings or talks the entire song. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a quick listen to the song. Seeing you tonight, it's a bad idea, right? Seeing you tonight, it's a bad idea, right? Um, you know, our girl Olivia is a 
a 90s devotee. The song is so very like I, Keith, I think you mentioned Elastica. And yeah, that it kind of it kind of gave me Elastica like alt rock, you know, uh, Raya girl, Raya girl kind of vibes. Yes, I think that's 100% what she's going for. And even in the music video that she released at the same time on Friday, um, she's wearing a very uh, Liv Tyler Empire Records outfit, a blue fuzzy sweater and a short plaid skirt. Um, So it's all just like just the best 90s references. And I loved it. I actually just rewatched Empire Records on a plane last week. So when I saw it, I was like, there's there's that outfit that I know so well. Um, But the song, uh, I think, is most notable for the fact that Olivia, who's known for having amazing vocals, kind of speaks this entire song, except for the chorus. Like she does. I mean, I guess the chorus is kind of bad idea. Right. But the bridge is it the bridge or the pre-chorus. The pre-chorus is sung. Um, there is a lot of spoken word in this song, which is also kind of referential to some other pop and alt hits over the years. Um, some things that came to mind for me were um Lullaby, which was a huge 90s hit. Oh, Sean Mullins? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Where he kind of speaks the verses. And then, Keith, you actually kind of threw it out to your uh, charts teammates. And uh, Gary mentioned Sam Hunt. Yeah. Which, when I first heard that Sam Hunt song, it made me think of Lullaby. And then Kevin had some great references, too, right, to some recent alt hits. Yeah, he said, uh, I mean, hopefully Kevin and Gary don't mind me putting them, you know, I did oh, sorry, not. Sorry, we're just talking all about them. I now. didn't tell him that this was for the podcast. Um, Kevin suggested uh, Wet Leg with uh, Shay's Lounge. Yep. Uh, and also Wolf Alice's Don't Delete the Kisses. Um, and, and he also suggested that. You know, uh, this has kind of been a recurring theme with kind of alt rock, you know, music in the past mm. few years where um, this kind of sound is not completely out of the ordinary there. Um, no. Well, actually, even on Olivia's own debut album, yeah. she had the song Brutal, which was the opening track. And she mostly speaks that one. So it's not like this is completely unheard of for her either. And it instantly gives it this sort of bratty feel the way she's like saying the words and it's, it's great. It sets a total tone. And obviously this whole song is very tongue in cheek. Um, even the title like bad idea, right? It's like, she knows it's a bad idea, but she's going to do it anyway. And, uh, F it. It's fine. Um, but I, do we think, I, I guess my next question is, do we think that, um, you know, between hearing vampire and hearing bad idea, right? It's like, do we have an idea of what we're going to hear from Guts? I no. mean, those are two very different songs, right? No, this one's, to me, this one is much more of a, so far we've had two very unexpected sonic like totally. curveballs. And so I'm like, no, I haven't the foggiest idea what this album is going to sound like. I, I do feel like Bad Idea Right recalls Sour a little bit more because Vampire was a departure. It was a ballad. So we had a ballad in the vein of like Driver's License or... Um, uh, traitor from the um, first album, but uh, it was so like kind of my chemical romance, like All rock right. opera kind of vibe too. like where it, that did not, that part did not recall sour at all. Whereas this new song, it's like you could draw a direct line to good for you to brutal. 
Um, but it's not to say that it's a repeat. It just has that same vibe. So it's like it is it does make me wonder, like, you know, is it going to skew closer to vampires going to skew closer to bad idea? Right. Or are we going to just keep hearing like, you know, brand new vibes from her all around? All right. Uh, do, do we have anything else to say about Olivia no, or Taylor? No, I mean, I of course I do, but I have to cut myself off at some point. All right, then I'm cutting you off because now <laughs> it's time for the chart stat of the week. 30 years ago this week, Mariah Carey's Dream Lover debuted on the pop airplay chart as the track bowed at number 12 on the list dated August 14th, 1993. The song, the first single from her then upcoming Music Box album, sailed to number one on the chart in just four weeks on the September 4th dated list and spent eight weeks at number one. It marked her first of six number ones on the list, which launched in the fall of 1992. And you might be thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Had the pop airplay chart been around just a few years more, Mariah probably would have had a few more number ones since she debuted on our charts in the summer of 1990. On the Hot 100, Dream Lover debuted at number 40 on the August 7th, 1993 chart and hit number one on the September 11th dated list, spending four weeks atop the tally. So uh, there you have it, a look back at the charts 30 years ago when Mariah Carey's Dream Lover arrived. Any parting words to this uh, oh, jam-packed show? It was jam-packed, too. <laughs> I mean, I think so. <laughs> Uh, you wanna play, no. Do you want to do you want to like place a bet now on if you think Morgan Wallen's going to be number one next week or is Luke Combs going to get Oof. it or is it going to be something else? I yeah, I mean, Swifty suddenly we'll... like stream the heck out of Cruel Summer. And do you know about this Oliver Anthony song, by the way? Oh, yes. Oliver Anthony. He's had three names. That's really floating it's, there. It's a what is it called? Rich, Richmond. Richmond. North of Richmond. Yeah, that. That thing uh, is getting a lot of news coverage, um, similar-ish to the Jason Aldean situation. Yeah, it's getting a lot of right-wing love. I don't think it's as incendiary as the Jason Aldean uh, example. It's gaining a lot of traction, um, certainly on the iTunes store, because I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are discovering him through the news media. And in turn, that's turning into sales. How many sales? Yeah. I don't know yet. We'll I find guess out. we'll find out. But also what's interesting is the first time I heard of him was on Friday, a.k.a. the first day of our chart tracking week. And then we wrote like an article about him on Friday. So like he's got, you know, if if the if if he really has the juice that I mean, he has maximized the possibility of what could happen. But um, sorry, I went off on a tangent there. To answer your question, I, I'd like to put my money behind Luke Combs's cover going to number one. I'm going to go ahead and make that my prediction. Um, OK, so what song should we go out on? <laughs> I mean, let's give. I feel like let's give a little love to Fast Car because we were just talking about it so much. We wait, Should we listen to the Tracy or the Luke version? though? <laughs> let's listen to the original version. OK, let's do that. All right. See you next time. Bye. What? See you next time. I'm doing it again. See you guys next time. Bye. Fast enough so we can fly away. We gotta make a decision. Leave tonight or live and die this way. So I remember when we were driving, driving in your car, speed so fast.